This is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly of Writing in Academia, a podcast where three writing nerds discuss the joys and jitters of writing in a research context. Today's topic is something that I think we all feel haunts us, writer's block. And since Lena started the first episode with a literary quote, I would like to start this one with one from uh, Douglas Adams, Mm -hmm. who famously said, I love deadlines. I love the whooshing noise they make as they fly by. (laughs) (laughs) He was infamous for his severe bouts of of writer's block. Do we Uh, like deadlines? What do we think about deadlines, guys? Uh, I usually keep to them a week after. (laughs) (laughs) or so so i have them in my calendar and i always always well you listen to them whoosh by i well yeah i do uh but uh, it's 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 close Mm. you know i i a week is pretty good i don't know i I would say that's that's all right yeah sometimes just a day um yeah i I have to struggle with them because uh, we usually write for a conference uh Mm. conferences and there's a a very strict deadline Mm -hmm. And, and and students they tend to procrastinate I am a professional yeah. procrastinator. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it too, but also because I like to edit. You mm. know, I, my process is long. So uh, I will have stuff on paper, but I will not be, I, I'm not happy with it. And also I'm very bad at proofreading. Mm. I hate, so that's the part that I procrastinate the most. Mm-hmm. Just this going through and really looking through the reference list and sort of stuff. Uh, like that. Awful. I yeah. mean, I, I, I guess with deadlines for me, if someone else will suffer if I don't meet the deadline, mm. I meet the deadline. Mm. Um, because I have, I have no problem with suffering myself. I will make myself miserable by pushing things off if mm. the only deadline that exists is one that I've imposed on myself. Yeah. Um, so the problem for me is that most of the deadlines that I live with, unless it's like writing feedback on student assignments or submitting a paper to a conference, they're all self-imposed. Mm. So um, my life is just one big wash of missed deadlines yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i think I've, I've learned over time that that writing is more rewriting than writing mm-hmm. so uh, when i write for myself uh, i find that i start earlier and, and let the process take the time mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because um, and, and that's something that i didn't do when i was a phd student then i waited until the last week mm. and then you're never you're never quite happy with the results so or in high school where i just pulled all-nighters all the time and would put together stuff but you know we talk we have I think talked about the the writing process and and now it is more of a writing process for me as well so meeting deadlines is never about putting together the paper all of it last minute but today's topic is writer's block and the idea I guess being with deadlines is that Writer's block is that thing that happens when you start to feel a deadline loom and <laughs> yeah. you feel like you have to do something about it and then, but then, no, 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 I can't do it. So I guess let's first sort of establish what is writer's block? It's basically that you can't get started on a writing task. You have something that you need to finish, but you can't really get started. And I think the reasons for this uh, is, is different. There, there are different reasons mm-hmm. in different fields. So if you're a creative writer uh, writing novels, mm. Uh, usually it's described as not having any good ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, well, you, you, don't, you don't... You don't get that divine inspiration that's just like lightning bulb, wah, I know what to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. you're waiting for genius. Yeah. Right. In science, it's probably 
different because we usually have a pretty good idea about what we want to write about. Usually. Uh, usually. <laughs> usually. Hopefully. You made an experiment and you, yeah. know, you, know, you know what's if, in it. If you made an experiment. So yeah. I come from a field where sometimes I have difficulties thinking, okay, what is, what is it that I want to do? Or or I have this data and then I have to come up with a research question. But but there is stuff there at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. maybe in your field it's more like the, the writing is the, the, the research process. So so then maybe it's, it's more similar to creative writing. So linguistics, humanities, and I come from this field. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But in my field, I feel that uh, uh, students uh, who have writer's block or, or they, they complain Claim about... Claim to yeah. have writer's block. <laughs> it, it usually boils down to plain old procrastination. I am a professional procrastinator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whenever you find a deadline looming, uh, you find that you have to clean up your office or you have to do... Anything but writing. It's the only time I clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good at that, too. <laughs> I think we all are. Yeah. yeah. High fives all around. Yeah. Um, but procrastination, is it, it is a chronic disease, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it yeah. is. And then I think there's another thing as well. It's it, that results in procrastination. But mm-hmm. it's an important thing that's yeah connected to, to the creative writer feeling that everything he or she writes is trite. And it's the idea about uh, scientific style. Oh, yeah. People can get very hung up on that. And instead of just getting their ideas down on the paper and and Mm. continuing writing, they will go back and re-edit and re-edit and will... They never get anywhere, uh, mm. and they never get happy with the results. You, you had a you had a story about that. You told me the other day. Uh, it was about Joyce, was it? Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, so we talked about Joyce. I think he did it in another episode as well. But he said once that he was pretty happy about his writing that day because he had written seven seven words, but he did, he hadn't really uh, determined what order they would be put down (laughs) (laughs) so it was a good day for him so he was probably too critical of his writing so he didn't get stuff uh, down on the page yeah which i think is probably something that a lot of us are worried about right this idea of like well they're they're gonna read it so it has to be perfect Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so research shows that students procrastinate more in relation to writing than they do uh, about other tasks and you want you might wonder why is that so I found a paper that I found interesting uh, by uh, Gardner and Kearns. It's about uh, coaching writers to, to become better. And they say that uh, the reason that students procrastinate is that every text that you write as a student has important consequences. It's mm-hmm. very important for your uh, uh, progress as a student. And it's also critically examined mm-hmm. by other people. Yeah. So this means that there is a pressure to sound professional and there's this anticipation of negative criticism. And you don't want to get any other criticism sometimes. I mm. think this was something that I suffered from yeah. uh, when I was a PhD student. So whenever I handed in stuff to my supervisor, I didn't want any comments beyond this is great work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because you've put so much work into yeah. it, and, yeah. and, and then you find it, it's a personal criticism when they don't like your text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always find that I get stuck in like, in the transition between two sentences. You know, I'm, I'm so focused on, well, I want to get the wording right. And, and maybe it's, it's, it's even worse for me as a native speaker of English, being Canadian, having grown up, and now be living in Sweden and having, I guess when you're a native English speaker, you have this like reputation of, well, you should be able to write it perfectly the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I get stuck in that. Mm-hmm. And I can't just sort of shake it off the and, and keep going. Curse. Isn't it, though? Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So this, I think, is when you start to think that you are you're not ready yet. Yeah. You 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 can't get started because, well, I don't have the talent or I, I don't have the inspiration needed to to write. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, the paper that I, I, I talked about, Gardner and Kearns, uh, they argue that uh, in order to break this pattern mm. of procrastination, you have to realize that all of these beliefs are indeed false beliefs. Mm. Uh, and they, they talk about different ways that you can, can, uh, can make this clear to yourself. Uh, so if you think that I'm not ready yet, we, we talked about Faulkner in mm. one of the ap- episodes mm. who said that he knew every word before he... <laughs> well, he on. claims to. <laughs> <Yeah>. Lies. <laughs> but uh, uh, you can't aspire to have everything finished in your head. It's just a way too complex thing to do. You, can, you will realize that if you, if you think back uh, to the last deadline you had, as soon as the deadline appears, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. then you get very productive. All of a sudden, mm. I know exactly what I want to say. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because you're doing it. Yeah. Forced to. You're forced to. Panic has set in, mm-hmm. set in motion. So uh, you'll never start. Uh, you'll never feel ready unless you, unless you start writing. Uh, because writing is what helps you structure the thoughts and, and get this thing into a paper it's also yeah. this uh, this sort of uh, um people say that you know there's never time enough because sometimes you wait for a stretch of time mm. so that i will have that time to to produce my entire paper and really get my thoughts together so that i can produce perfect text mm. but we rarely have that time so mm-hmm. i don't think it exists i think it's a myth it's, yeah i think so too and i think certainly after our post phd years uh, yeah. you, ne- you never ever have the time and then if you have a couple of kids on top of that uh, you have to find the the small uh, spells of time where you can actually do some 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 writing yes. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's probably something that we should spend an, an entire episode oh, discussing sure. how to write efficiently and so on for sure mm-hmm. fortunately we don't have to spend a ton of time on the procrastination part in theory because you guys know tim urban have you heard no, of him? No. no. We, we talked about him on the way over here today. Yeah, we did. Um, yes. He writes this great blog called right. Wait But Why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, dear listeners, you have heard of him. But uh, but he had one post on procrastination and why people procrastinate inside the mind of a procrastinator. And uh, I'm not going to give it away. You should go read the post or you can go watch his TED Talk mm-hmm. where he talks about not only procrastination sort of in general, but also his experience of procrastinating for his TED Talk. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and his name was again? Tim Urban. Tim okay. He's Urban. fantastic. Yeah. Or I think he's hilarious. As opposed to rural, he's urban. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, but, but this, like, I'm not really ready yet. I'm not there yet. I don't have it. It's not, I haven't figured out it out in my head. It kind of connects to this idea of, like, well, I'm not talented enough. Mm. Yeah. And that's something that we talked about in, an, in another episode, mm. actually, that, that, Talent never gets you very far. And no, you have it to actually put the work in. It's it's there's a twenty eighty rule of of writing. I think it's it's twenty uh, percent talent, eighty percent sweat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and and you have to learn the craft as well. Mm-hmm. So you have and you learn it by doing it. And yeah, if you don't sit down and write. And I'm pretty sure. I think I, I think this goes for sports and uh, for a lot of fields, uh, other fields that you know. If you have a certain talent to begin with. People see you, mm. and they see that you're good at it, mm-hmm. and therefore you do it. Mm-hmm. So there's this um, there's this idea of the age effect mm. in hockey, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, that really just just is um, related to how mature you are. So uh, there are a lot, uh, or in hockey, there are a lot more players who are born between January and 
April. Okay. Because this is in Malcolm Gladwell's book, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the outliers. Yeah. yeah. Because they are mature. They are more sort of bodily, uh, biologically uh, at a different stage mm -hmm. uh, when they, you know, when you have people um, in cohorts uh, of one year and then you will have then these kids born between January and December. And, you know, there's a year mm -hmm. difference there. Mm -hmm. So you're going to notice the ones that uh, are sort of more physically well, when they're eight years old, half a year is a huge developmental difference. Exactly. I actually know hockey crazy people yeah. who try to plan when they have kids mm -hmm. so that they'll be born in the first four months of the year. Exactly. Uh, nowhere to so because that. then people will notice them and then they get that positive feedback, feedback yeah. mm -hmm. and that will make them do this more. I mean, they will stick with it uh, and practice it more. Yeah. So it's not that they're more talented. It just looks that way yeah. and you get that positive feedback. And I think this goes for writing. It goes for languages. Uh, it goes for maths mm -hmm. for sure if if you hear that you're talented at math to begin with or 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 you believe that you're good at it maybe you just spend more time doing it mm. Mm -hmm. mm. and i think that's the important that's the key thing that you you break this negative anticipation about you know getting negative criticism mm -hmm. uh, if you feel that you're good at it if, if you get good feedback then mm. you will uh, get out of this negative feeling and mm. and that will help you come over uh, procrastination. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, then but you're, you're going to get some criticism, right? I mean, yeah. you're not always going to get positive feedback. So it's also, I think, about about spinning that around and being like, this is a work in progress. Yeah. And if I, if I let go of this, well, it's not going to be perfect yet. If I let go of that and just say, well, I'm just going to write some stuff. Um, it doesn't matter what I produce because I'm, that'll, that'll give me something to play with. And then I can start to work on it. And if it's crappy, then I know it's crappy. And then when someone tells me it's crappy, then I'll be like, yeah, I know. But then they'll be able to say, okay, but this idea and it was good. And let's work from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one idea I think is to sort of learn to love that criticism. Um, you know, learn to let go of unfinished business. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then not sort of excuse yourself too much because if you get that criticism and then you keep saying, yeah, I know it's because it was an early draft and I thought about that, but really, you know, listen, take Definitely. in and try to work with it mm -hmm. uh, is, uh, is a next step yeah. on, on handling this. It's very easy to get into a vicious circle with uh, negative feelings about mm -hmm. that. And, and the thing that you said about waiting uh, for a uh, large extents of time to write. <laughs> yeah. Um, when when you procrastinate, um, then you will have to pack more and more writing into a shorter and shorter period of time, and and maybe spend you know twenty four seven uh, writing, and that will get you really tired and fed up with what you're writing, yeah. and that feeds into your uh, expectations for the next paper that mm. you're going to write. So no wonder that you're putting it off because it was such an, an awful experience the <laughs> exactly. last time you did it. And and they say that about sports as well that you know if you if you run. Um, 20 miles the first time you go out running, then you're probably not going to do it again because it felt yeah. really awful. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So really, so really, if we sort of, I'm going to try and, and shepherd us a little bit through this. We'll see mm -hmm. how it goes. Um, trying to figure out how to work against this whole procrastination thing. How do we do that? I think a part of the antidote is, uh, I mean, to procrastination is to break this vicious circle of, mm -hmm. of negative uh, emotions mm -hmm. around writing and try to turn that around to something that is, that is, uh, yeah. uh, more learn, to yeah, yeah. learn to love Productive it. Yeah. Or... And, and all those beliefs that you have around this uh, are, are, are false beliefs. So if, if you think that I'm not ready yet, well, 
Studies show that people who are forced to be creative, they get twice as many ideas as people who are allowed to have ideas on their own time. (laughs) So a little bit of forcing or twisting your arm is actually a good thing. Yeah, and goes back to this concept of of grit where you you just sit down and do it and then you'll you'll improve. No excuses. Mm. And if you think that you're not talented enough, well, talent is not a a substitute for hard work. And William Zinsser, a famous... He wrote books about writing. He said that the the only way to learn to write is to force yourself to produce a certain amount of words on a regular basis. Yeah. And I think this is, yeah, it goes back to it's a craft. You have to learn it. Mm. I think it's so unfair that we we don't, I mean, so many people don't question the value of, say, practicing scales if you're trying to learn a musical instrument or like doing drills if you're trying to learn to do a sport or something like that. And yet for some reason... We don't, we don't look at writing that way. We don't, we seem to think, well, I mean, you can think so you can write and you should just mm. be able to do it. Yeah. It's not fair, is it? No. I mean, I, don't, I can't, don't really see the point in like drilling on the same sentence over and over again, like Bart Simpson. Mm. Um, but certainly, you know, understanding that it is a slow and steady progress that you have to make, that it's not going to be easy at the beginning. And it, you know, you consistently move the goalposts. Mm-hmm. As you get better, you challenge yourself more, and so you're never really going to be super satisfied. That seems kind of and you learn your steps. It's like dancing, you know. You have to start somewhere, and you learn the basics, and then when you can do that, you start tweaking that a little bit, Mm -hmm. and you and you add some other moves, and you have to do that. You know, new angles. Can I reorganize this paragraph? But Mm -hmm. you have to do it. You have to see it. You have to really practice it. Yeah, it's Uh, like learning to play hockey. I mean, nobody expects to be a a pro the, the first time they step out on the ice, but, no. uh, you know, they stick with it because they, th- they think it's fun. Mm-hmm. And if we can turn all these negative emotions around mm-hmm. and make it, you, if you can learn to love it uh, mm-hmm. and make room for it on a regular basis. See, here's what, what I think is kind of cool. What we've done is we've sort of like pivoted, which we've been talking about procrastination, but what we're really doing is getting into this like emotional anxiety yeah. and, and these feelings and things. Procrastination mm-hmm. is bullshit. Mm-hmm. It does not have a place in our lives. It is a huge part of our lives, <laughs> but there is no reason to make excuses for it. No. Um, and so writer's no, block I mean, no in that sense, reasons, mm, anyway. I can find lots yeah. of excuses that mm-hmm. have no substance whatsoever. But in my head at the time, they're perfect. Mm. Um, but I think what it boils down to is in terms of this writer's block idea of procrastination, putting it off, putting it off, it's not real. No. If you don't feel inspired, uh, you can't get inspired by waiting for motivation. It's never going to come. No. Mm. No. Because motivation doesn't lead to action. No. Action triggers motivation. You have to do it in order to exactly get into the flow. Exactly. Mm. So we had another point. I mean, we've talked about procrastination as it relates to writer's block, but we had this other thing, right? Well, Perfectionism. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. And, and the, the idea about scientific style that it has to look and sound a certain way when you're writing. And, and this, I think, haunts many people. Definitely. Uh, mm. You want to write something that sounds uh, sophisticated and savvy. Mm. Um, and sometimes it can be very difficult to understand where people are going when, when you're reading a, a first draft because it, it, there's a lot of work going into making it sound mm. you know, sophisticated, but you don't really understand it. When you sit down with a person who wrote it, uh, there's usually no problem explaining uh, exactly what they were. Totally. Yeah. And and this is, I actually have a story about that too, uh, related to my own writing, mm-hmm. where I would usually pick up the discourse. So this is a fancy word for, you know, how things are put or the way things are 
presented in certain fields or, you know, it can be political discourse or it can be the discourse of physical, uh, let's say, uh, mechanical engineering mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, so I would pick up on the style and how these authors presented their research. It was important to me when I first started out to try to sound like them. It was a way, I guess, for me to develop an identity in my field. Mm -hmm. But then I would sit down with my supervisor and she would do that. Even mm -hmm. you said like, yeah. okay, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> she obviously had problems finding sort of my, the storyline or why I, was, uh, why I said things or wrote things. Mm -hmm. And I would explain it. And then she said, why don't, it, why don't you write it like that? Yeah. And I thought it didn't sound very sophisticated, did it? Didn't say I didn't mm. use very many technical terms exactly. or like advanced words. Yeah. My vocabulary was quite basic. Exactly. Mm. And I think the scientific style is important when you write scientific papers because it has it ha it has a function, uh, but the function is. Uh, more about uh, you as an author. You want mm -hmm. to give the readers an impression that you are a person mm -hmm. that they can trust, someone who knows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. what you establish what your about. ethos. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> ethos. Go but Aristotle. It's, it's really secondary to, to the message that you want to get across. So you, you should start by uh, developing the message. Mm -hmm. And then I think you can add style later. It's mm -hmm. something that's... You can always fiddle around with your sentences. Yeah. Uh, if you have your story, yeah. if you have your paragraphs, if you have your introduction, if you have your, yeah, whatever section you're writing, if you, if you have the storyline, then you can always go back. Yeah. So one of the things that I do in my life is, is freelance developmental editing for scientific manuscripts. Mm -hmm. So authors who have prepared a manuscript who want to... Uh, get some feedback on it before they submit it to a journal, we'll send it to the editing service that I work for. And, and someone like me will start playing with it. And, and, and the language editing part is the cheap part. Mm. That's the part. I mean, if you mm. look at editing services, um, which can actually be really helpful for certain non-native speakers who simply struggle to, to like fully adopt the English language in their writing. But the, the language editing part is the cheap is mm. is peanuts. Mm. The developmental editing part, the one that is like, all right, let's look at the logic of your argument. Let's look at like the, the coherence of what you're trying to say. Let's look at if you have all the pieces that need to be there mm. in order to be able to convince the reader. Mm. That is expensive. And it takes a take lot of time. Apart, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So if you think about it, I mean, jargon, scientific style, sounding sophisticated, if you don't have like a solid backbone for a paper, the words don't matter. No. You're not gonna you're not gonna fool people with fancy words if you don't have a message that makes sense. No. Exactly. It's going to turn into something called waffle. <laughs> they talk about it as waffle. That's <laughs> what is you, that? I don't know. It's just when you're that. not saying anything, you're just using the sort of words of the of the science. It sounds very Good. It may be the sentence structure is mm -hmm. the way the sentence structure is. In, in to an outsider, writing. it sounds an, really smart, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Or even you know, you can even fool someone. And evil tongues say that you can do this. You can you can practice waffle mm -hmm. way longer in literature studies than you can. <laughs> <laughs> I think, <laughs> but the I'm not going to pick up on I'm, you pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to say that that's the way it is. But yeah. mm. the way I, I try to approach this is mm -hmm. when when you have a student that they have very slow progress because they want it to, to look so so clever mm -hmm. what they're writing. 
is to think about or see it as if, if there were two people inside of you that are doing the writing. Yeah. So there's uh, the creative doer who puts words on the page and uh, is not very concerned about style and, and all those things. And then you have this other person sitting on your shoulder uh, passing negative judgments on, on, on the text, the, yeah. cri the critic. Yeah. And if you put these two persons at work at the same time, you will never get anywhere because as soon as you write something down, the critic will uh, pass a negative judgment, mm -hmm. make you go back and edit and re-edit and then mm -hmm. re-edit the re-edits mm. <laughs> <laughs> until you, you, you're completely... Written seven words. Yeah. And you don't know you, what order they're going to go in yet. Exactly. Yeah. And you, yeah. you've lost, completely lost direction. You don't know where you're going at all. Mm. Uh, and a way to uh, put these two people at work at different times is uh, speed writing. And mm -hmm. it's something that I, I know that we all uh, use in different contexts. Yeah. So if you just sit down and uh, uh, tell yourself that I'm going to write for a number, a couple of minutes, uh, and uh, I'm not going to go back and uh, edit anything. I'm just write, writing, 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 writing. And then uh, when you're finished, you let the critic come out and have a look at what you wrote. And separating the work of these two people, uh, these two persons in you, mm. uh, will help you realize that the first part is really about just getting down the raw material, developing the message. You just got to create mm. content, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you have something that you can carve and mm -hmm. turn into a finished product. And you'll be so happy the next yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you have something. Yeah. So uh, I've also heard of that. It's called free writing. Same kind of thing though, right? It's free. It's fast. It's not, it doesn't have to be structured. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's just get ideas down. Mm. I think uh, one thing that we do sometimes in, in our classes, uh, I know maybe you do it as well, mm. even I know that we do it, Jenny, yeah. is, is uh, Jenny, that we have students um, just use their pen and paper. Yeah, mm. I do that many times. I do it not just in academic writing. I do it actually in a lot of my courses. Yeah. At some point, I'll find an excuse to bring up the topic of academic writing and say, everybody get a piece of paper and a pen. Uh, and, and, and write for five minutes. And don't the, think, write. The key idea here is that it's a pen and paper. Yeah. So I don't know wh whether this is going to work for everyone, but mm. for me, uh, it's sort of like in my fingers that I always correct my sentences. You mean if you're typing? If I'm typing. Oh, so you mean that the idea of writing by hand Yeah, is... sometimes writing by hand, just, you know, when you sit down first thing in the office and, and you want to write something and maybe just do the, the speed writing mm. and do it with a pen and paper, mm. if you can. Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, it may not be for everyone, but for me, I have notebooks mm -hmm. and then I, ha I produce rough drafts mm. and maybe I do this for 20 minutes before my first coffee and I go back. And I have a look. And it's I like, a it warm up. like a warm-up. Like a warm-up, yeah. Uh, and just to force myself to actually go on because I can't edit as much when I write with a pen. A so much work to edit. Mm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Whereas if I type, it's, it's sort of I type fast. Mm. And I, I also have the habit of really just going back and erasing everything. I can never finish one sentence. I always go back and edit. Mm. And then I can, you know, I, can, I can type and I can look at the screen at the same time, and these are actually different types of writers, depending on whether you can type and look at the screen or whether you need to look at your fingers. That's true, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so I can go back and I can have a look at, you know, where I started as I'm typing, and that will then interfere with mm -hmm. the text for yeah. me. Then your brain just goes... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So pen and paper could, can be. Uh, pen and paper. But the idea really being, what we've, we've sort of been talking about is this idea of, like, just... 
get out of your head and just write stuff. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter because the, the cool thing with writing is that you don't have to show the first thing you write to anybody. Yeah. So this idea of writer's block, it has to be great right away. We have to get that style down. It needs to be awesome. As long as you accept that you will have to revise your work, mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what the first version looks like. Yeah. Stephen King, he talked about in his book on writing, uh, the two phases of uh, a, a, a writing project, where the first part is where you're writing with the door closed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the second part is writing with the door open. And the first part is really just about trying to develop this thing into something that it makes some kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea is that nobody else has to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you start to be uh, you know, satisfied with that part, then you can start to edit that into something that someone else c- can read. And then you invite other people into mm. the process. So I think the key here is to see the first version of the text as a raw material, so something that you, you, you write it just to have something to edit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you will not feel the pressure of having to produce something that sounds very prof- professional. Yeah. Yeah, but still let people see it until you know before it's perfect. Because <laughs> so, you're never go- you're never yeah. really gonna think it's perfect. No. I mean that's the worst part about all of this and is if if you start down that path, it's never done. Yeah. But I mean the idea is if you don't expect. Yeah. You shouldn't expect anybody else to read no. the first thing that you put on paper. So you, we're talking about. Edit multiple drafts here yeah, exactly. uh, and the first one should be really quick so we're not talking about sort of endless writing no, no, in no. E- for every draft mm-hmm. and by draft we mean like version so you have your first version just putting with the door closed mm. and then you gradually open the door I mm. guess letting people in and learn to love the criticism and you don't have to actually defend yourself but really try to take it in and uh, have them you know make suggestions like okay ask them uh, what do you mean here rather than defending your product um, and then negotiate that and go back and produce a third draft and, and eventually you have to hand it in when the deadline approaches mm. or a week after i think something that is not escapable here something that you will never be able to get away from is the fact that unless you're talking about like a one pager mm. or an email There's no such thing as getting it right the first time. No, no, no. Uh, We need to get over that. Mm. I need to get over that. I'm awful about that. I always want to just be like, well, I'm just going to make some notes and sort of, no, I'm just going to, okay, but then I'm going to write it and then I think I'm done. Yeah. Mm. But if I actually go back and read it again, I realize, "Mm, I want to make changes. Mm. And and we need to stop making ourselves think that maybe one day I'll get to that point where I can do it at one off. Yeah. Mm. Because I don't think it's ever going to happen. No, no. No, I think that's the message. Yeah. I mean, yeah. connected to this idea of writer's block. Yeah. Just, you know, there's no thing, there's no such thing as a writer's block. There shouldn't be because you just need to g- get down and do it and you're not supposed to produce perfect stuff yeah. the first time around. It's, so it's like the Nike slogan you yeah. just do it. <laughs> there's the recipe is to put your butt in the chair, put your hands on the keyboard and start punching the keys. Yeah. I mean, I when I when I do these little five-minute things, I pulled it from Rowena Murray, who has some really great books on academic writing. Um, she got this five-minute warm-up exercise, and, and it's writing to a prompt. And mm-hmm. so I'll give my students a, a task, be like, write about this for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I say to them always is, you can start your writing by writing, I don't know what yeah. to write about. Exactly. Yeah. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is, it's not about making sure that the first word you write, like not waiting waiting to write until you have a word, mm-hmm. start writing before you have words. Mm-hmm. And then the words will come. 
because you are forcing your brain to do some thinking about those words. Sometimes in this podcast, we've decided that we'd like to take a little bit of a detour, something that is kind of connected to what we're talking about, but maybe a little bit tangential. And Iveen, you had a, a detour for us today. Yeah, it's about what triggers us to write, and it's, uh, well, slightly connected to the theme. Yeah, of, exactly. Yeah, but not really. Um, it's said that the astronomer Edmund Halley, he entered a scientific bet about the reason why planets move in elliptic orbits around the sun. That was a big topic back in the days. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was having a dinner with a friend, and they wanted to find out the reason. Why are the planets moving in elliptic orbits? And they didn't have Google. They didn't have Google <laughs> in the, back in those days. And, and uh, Well, they, they said that whoever figures this out uh, will uh, get dinner from the other person. So... Uh, he was really eager to to solve this uh, problem. But uh, Halley, he couldn't figure this out for himself. He was pondering and pondering about this. And finally, he decided to cheat. Uh, so he uh, traveled up to Cambridge, knocked on the door of uh, Sir Isaac Newton, and asked him if he might have an idea about why the planets move in elliptical orbits around the sun. This was the Google the of the day. Mm. Uh, <laughs> And uh, exactly, Newton, he said, well, of course, it's because of the inver inverse square law of gravity thing that he had come up with. But of course. Yeah. And Halley was intrigued. So how, how do you know that this thing will lead to elliptical orbits? Uh, why, of course, I have calculated it. <laughs> okay, so uh, can I see your calculations, please? And Isaac Newton, he started to rummage about his apartment and, and try to find these notes so he could show uh, how the inverse law, squ uh, square law, would lead to elliptical orbits. Uh, turned out he couldn't find his notes, so he's, he promised to uh, to redo the calculations mm. and write about uh, how they lead to these elliptical orbits. And it said it said that that um, um, the text that Newton started to write uh, gradually grew into Principia, the major work yeah. uh, that was the trigger of the modern scientific revolution. So um, all for a scientific bet about uh, who will buy the other guy dinner. Maybe that's uh, all you need. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bet and then just thinking about things without Googling. Uh. Mm. <laughs> well, I like that story too because it shows, you know, just because you've worked through something once mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you can immediately recall all of it again. Sometimes you actually do. Like the writing actually really helps you work through problems. So writer's block... You're not going to actually work through writer's block unless you do some writing, because mm -hmm. the writing will actually push you through the writer's block. Mm -hmm. And who knows, at the end of it, you might have written a big, epic work. <laughs> An <laughs> epic volume, yeah, yeah. indeed. I think that's it for us today, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Now go write something. <laughs>